welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Caleb. And I'm Notch. This week we bring you the ambient dream that was the MLS Cup, celebrate Minnesota United actually signing players, throw shade at the Cosmos, and tell you how Michael Fassbender used the frozen ball theory. I love our intro music. Every other podcast out there has some terrible, tired <laughs> intro music, but ours, ours is fantastic, and it's local. It is local. Uh, local band Tectonics um, recently released their EP this year, earlier earlier this year, and they're selling it on Bandcamp. You can find it on I mean, Bandcamp.Tectonics. Um, two United fans, the two United fans uh, Twitter account tweeted it out recently. You can look on there. Um, the it's five dollars for the CD. Pay what you want for the digital copy. And all proceeds go to Planned Parenthood. Um, no word on if it's in Tectonic's name or in Mike Pence's name, but it's going there. <laughs> so, yeah. And there are four great songs. Um, my favorite is the one we use for the intro, but Love Under Seas is always, it's also one of my favorites. I do play it when I'm doing work sometimes. It's just got a nice, like, amped up feel to it. Mm-hmm. And we, we usually cut away from it before the lyrics kick in. So go off to YouTube and look for Tectonics, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C-S. Which is just, you do have to search Tectonics Band if you don't want, like, a lecture about how tectonic <laughs> plates work. So actually, I'm not... That, it's not a joke, actually. But, <laughs> but what if I want to learn about seismology? Like, should I? This should is I still a wrong type podcast, in band? Colin. Oh man. Wait, wait. Okay. Before we get too too far away from soccer, we should turn around and find our way straight into Toronto because today's going to be an action-packed episode, guys, and we have to start off with the biggest match of last week, which happened. In the MLS, so we got to move on to a segment we call the Major Listing Service. We're realtors around this nation, go from house to house, much like Don Garber goes from city to city. I mean, <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke about it being love it or list it because it's in Toronto, but mm-hmm, apparently mm-hmm. I watch way too much HGTV. Oh, and you any, don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> any amount of HGTV is too much HGTV. You take that back. <laughs> You take those words back. <laughs> okay, we're going to start this recording all over again. I'm going to edit all of that out, and we're going to start with our MLS Cup recap, which was... Because I fell asleep about two minutes into this game, and I didn't wake up until three days later when I was helping break ground on the new MNUFC Stadium. So what happened in this match? Um, you didn't miss much you at all. didn't miss much. Um, the players of the game for the winner Seattle, definitely Stefan Fry and... Uh, Roman Torres. Roman Torres seems like the only defender who can neutralize Josie Altador. They're both physical and they had a couple collisions in the box and he played such a great game mm-hmm. defensively. And he scored the winning penalty. Uh, they won, Seattle won a penalty 5-4 after added extra time. Um, Michael Bradley missed his penalty infamously. Oh, although yeah. he did have the best pass completion for either team and mm-hmm. had the most touches. So he'd had a positive impact on the game just no one can remember that and this that one moment where he just kind of side-footed it a foot away from fry i think it was typical of you know when, when i think of tournament finals it was typical of that archetype of the game where both teams are trying a little too hard a little to 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 play it safe yeah i think both sides were trying to not lose in right. normal time and then i think 
exhaustion really set in when it got to extra time and you kind of could just sense that both mm-hmm. teams really wanted it to end up in penalties and they got their wish yeah i guess so the most exciting part of the match was stefan fry's oh, amazing save on josie's looping header that seemed destined for the top 90 i don't know how it didn't go in if you looked at the a video from behind the goal Fry's feet actually he stumbles on his first step over to the corner and it's how he got a hand on it is amazing that's one of the saves of the, of the season I haven't seen a bend back like that since the matrix so <laughs> that might explain what happened <laughs> he's the chosen one <laughs> if the second and third matrix movies were just him doing that for 90 minutes they'd be so much better <laughs> if they were anything but the second and third Matrix movies, they'd be so much better. I just want to take a moment before we move off the game to talk about Giovinco coming off. This is the second playoff game in a row that he was subbed off before the end of the game. And in this one, he was talking about cramping up, which given the weather, I'm not surprised to see this happen. Like it, it was it was really cold. Not as cold as a Minnesota <laughs> MLS Cup would be, but it was very cold. And honestly, I I walked about a block from my parking spot to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts today. I cramped up. And and of course, you have the same training regimen as uh, oh, Giovinco, of yeah, course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do not look at pictures of me, by the way. Just <laughs> just keep, keep in your mind that I am as fit as Sebastian Giovinco. You are, you are. Yes. Sitting right there. You also play for TFC. Uh, <laughs> there was a CFL player who plays for the Toronto Argos who tweeted today a bunch of shade, basically, at Giovinco. One of I'll just read you one of his tweets, which says, Jovinko, crying causes dehydration. Maybe that's why cramping took you out of the championship game. He also said something about like, oh, if it was me, I would have never subbed myself out of a championship game. We're just cut from a different cloth, which my favorite reply to that tweet was some guy from Toronto being like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Another person as well. At least Jovinko has brought a championship game to his home city. What have you done? <laughs> so, so if you just want to see the most epic takedowns in history, go look up. Um, actually, now I forgot the guy's name. Even he, some CFL player. He doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say back to him, he's talking about tears causing dehydration. Tears are about as salty as his tweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god um seattle are the champions some if, will say this is the this is the magic of the playoff a team that was mediocre even garbage for a lot of the season coming through and winning the championship others will say this is the problem with playoffs i find myself somewhere in between where playoffs you know you think about that uh Timbers versus SKC penalty shootout that went to like 11 so rounds last year. Yep. Um, you think about that in Montreal-Toronto game last week. And and those are... I mean, that's what the playoff gives you. It gives those high-tension mm-hmm. moments. On the other hand, it can also lead to some questioning of the champion. So where do you guys sit on this? Well, Seattle fought and won. So... <laughs> 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 oh, oh, man. <laughs> all right that's it we're done for the night we're not, it's, it's all downhill from there and this has been we call it suck i mean i'm a this is unpopular in this area of the, the united states but I'm a, I'm a packers fan our most recent super bowl we were the wild card um we had been 
garbage some of the season. And we just went on a hot streak in one of those games. I think having a trophy for the regular season is important for MLS to to reward those who did really well in the regular season, FC Dallas and even Seattle a few years ago. But this is a different kind of beast, the playoffs. It's all you need is a is a hot goalkeeper, Stefan Fry, and a couple of goals here and there to really make a run, and that's what Seattle did. Never mind the fact that honestly Seattle being garbage for part of the season was them just underperforming. Yeah. And whether it's the coaching change, whether it's Nico Ladero coming in, they certainly improved Mm -hmm. their squad throughout the season. And I think their, their title performance was probably more indicative of the talent level that they had as opposed to you know, the first three months of the season. I'm going to make a reverse podcast callback right now and say that this is this has something to do with whether you value peak performance or whether you value consistent form. Um, when you look at the, the history of Roman emperors, there's one guy named Aurelian who had a very short reign, but in his reign, he ended the crisis of the third century, arguably. He took over Palmyra. Um, he did some incredible things. He just snuffed out like way before his time. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, whether there are other emperors who did greater things over a longer span of time, yes, there are. But man, for his like short amount of time, he was the best. And I think that's what you can say about Seattle. For that short amount of time in the playoffs, they were the absolute best team out there, perhaps. Uh, and there might be other teams that had a more consistent season, but that's what the, the tests different things. I think like you were saying, the playoffs test your ability to go on that run. And I think both are valuable. I think the answer for me here is make the supporter shield more important if you don't value the playoffs. I think the playoffs are cool. I would appreciate if the season ended a little bit before um, December. December. Yeah. Especially when that's the year when we're going to be at TCF hosting the MLS Cup. Which we are, for sure. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, let's move on. Well, one last note on the MLS Cup. There was a parade, lots of great pictures of lots of people celebrating. I am totally not jealous of that. At Hercules Gomez crowd surfing was like, <laughs> it, it touched 16-year-old Collins heartstrings. Hercules Gomez apparently is a time machine. Yeah. Hey, what about the LA Galaxy? They pulled off a couple of moves today. Yeah, they traded uh, a first-round super draft pick to Colorado for Jermaine Jones, or the is, rights to Jermaine Jones. Is the super draft like super hot fire? Super hot fire draft. <laughs> the if, same. If, if he emceed the, the draft, that would be great. Wait, who, Jermaine Jones? No, the super hot fire. Like, you know, he'd be like, here's your first draft pick. That was the wrong draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just all these guys going, oh! <laughs> Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, that was that was a great move for a audio podcast, right there, yes, Caleb. The, yeah, it was just keep it in the room. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of physical humor on audio podcasts. Uh huh. So, so, so two moves, two moves. They also signed uh, Kurt Onofo as their head coach. Coached LA Galaxy two in USL, so they kind of promoted him to head coach. Hey, don't use that word, man. That that's the kind of shit that someone's dead promoted. Oh shit! No, we have to say it, we have to say it three times for him to appear. Okay, okay. Yeah. Although you could say that I would much rather have the LA Galaxy job than the US job at this point. So Bruce Arena might have gotten relegated. Oh, I, I, certainly. Where are you going with this? We did, we did one more <laughs> reference to those two words, and then he's going to appear in this room. So let's be very careful. So, so Jermaine Jones to Galaxy. 
I thought he was done last year, and then he proved me wrong. I'm thinking he's done this year, and is he going to prove me wrong? I Probably. I still, yeah, I still rate him pretty highly. Um, he's going to work his ass off to play as many games as possible for LA. Mm-hmm. Um, if, it's, if he didn't stay healthy. Are, the, are also our Galaxy now the new Cosmos snapping up all the big profile players? You know, they lost Keen, they lost Jared. Now the, the big question is who's next? And now they got this dude. They got Gio Dos Santos probably still. You say that like they weren't already doing that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I think the Cosmos were the new Galaxy in their second life. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure their owners were playing the thought they were playing the video game Second Life and not real life when they were spending their money. But uh, that being neither here nor there, do you think there's a you know now that I'm thinking about it, the old co- Galaxy logo was kind of like the Cosmos logo, like swirly and kind of circular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was there some like intentional stuff there? You think? I've never I, read I about think this. We just confirmed uh, Soccer Illuminati. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that we're supposed to be doing this segment at the end of the podcast rather than the <laughs> beginning. So All let's right. hold off on this. We'll see what happens, Jermaine Jones. Whitecaps have some Garbra allocation bucks. Yep, they traded those Garbra allocation Dolores to Houston for uh, Shannon Williams, a mm-hmm. left back. Um, I don't know much about it. You seem to him, have honestly. a lot to say about this trade. I don't, actually. I don't know the <laughs> player very well. Um, he's youngish. He's like 26. He can pr- still have time to grow and meet his potential. And Fantastic. He's got one of Vancouver. my favorite names, Shannon. Uh, D-Garbs says that uh, D-Bex has a deadline in Miami. He won't tell us what it is, but there's now a deadline. And there are rumors of Bex going over to Las Vegas, which... My first thought was, wow, Las Vegas can't really sustain a soccer team in my mind, even though now apparently they're going to get NFL and NHL at the same time. But then maybe it's best to sick Beckham onto a place that is going to be a failure anyway, so that when he again in- inevitably fails, it can just be like, you know, it's kind of like putting the kid in charge or like the-, the failing employee in charge of like a failing section of the company. So you can just be like, all right, bye, have, have fun, enjoy yourself. I feel like David Beckham is going to be the second person to completely and utterly fail in a casino town next to Donald Trump. <laughs> I like that. So these David references. Beckham's going to be president in eight years. You know, we could do worse. At least, at least we, we've done worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God! Everyone, take a drink quickly. Um, Brad uh, Guzan is off to Atlanta United, uh, which reportedly, yeah, four goalkeepers now after the expansion draft. Yeah, uh, uh, well, kind of. Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> sort of. We'll just move on to we can move on to that right now. Actually, expansion draft was today. We'll start with Atlanta pitch and then move on to our loon monitoring later. But uh, Atlanta Atlanta picked uh, Danny Toya from Montreal, who they traded to Orlando City for a first round uh, super fragilistic HPL draft pick, <laughs> <laughs> and then drafted Zach Lloyd, a center back from Dallas, uh, Clint Irwin. Uh, Tor- First of these goalkeepers Toronto yes. goalkeeper Who they then traded back to Toronto For Driver uh, Bucks And a defender from Toronto Who was unprotected And um, Matthew Doyle of MLS Kind of explains this more Basically uh, The Driver Bucks that Toronto had They got for having Clint Irwin drafted mm-hmm. So it's really confusing uh, His 
uh, article on the Spanish draft is very well written and very good under armchair analyst and MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, they also drafted Mighty Ambrose from Orlando and Alec Khan. The second from, goalkeeper. Yeah. So he's, a, he's from Georgia. Um, he's probably more fit to be a backup to Guzan. So I think they'll keep him. Yeah. But still, why draft two goalkeepers in the Spanish draft when you, when you have no need for any? Well, I mean, it makes me wonder about that Clint Irvin thing and why he was he was left unprotected in the mm-hmm. first place, and and whether there had already been contact about about this that that Toronto was willing to to do some sort of trade um, if he was picked up with whichever team picked him up. Right. So so that that was I mean this is the kind of I think complicated thing for people like me who are less used to MLS is understanding that some of these mm-hmm. guys who come on board to our teams. Uh, in, in drafts are strategic picks. Um, I think it's also worth remembering for new MLS fans over at Dominion UFC. If you, <laughs> um, Caleb's mic just dropped, so we're gonna take a quick second here. All right, it's been three hours. We fixed the mics. We're back. Um, as I was saying, MNUFC fans who are not as familiar with MLS and some of the things that the teams do will also feel the need to get attached to players as they're signed. Just know that some of these dudes who our teams sign could be dropped up until June. Like, just goodbye. So you're telling me that a Chris Duvall tattoo is a bad idea. Exactly. All right, let's move on to our next news where we're going to break it very gently to Colin. (laughs) So put on your DNR badge for sneaking around a lake. No, no, loon monitoring. Monitoring. Yep. So, uh, yeah, no, so wait, w- what happened to Chris Duvall? Um, so he was drafted by Manchester United with their first pick in the expansion draft and then uh, traded to uh, Montreal along with Darby Bucks for winner uh, Johan Venegas. Now, famous star of the new vaudeville routine, Venegas on the right. (laughs) So, here's the thing. I am incredibly confused. First off, what happened to you like a soccer team in Atlanta? (laughs) Second off, um, how how can there be multiple Uniteds and one of those Uniteds have multiple Venegases? It's just, I mean, I mean, um, is Venegas th- even the plural? According for the- to Andrew Lovren on Twitter, it's Venegai. Okay, <laughs> so let's you know, good to know, use the proper grammar here, guys. And there are about what, like, twenty-eight Venegas is playing. Oh, but sorry, Venegai playing in top-level soccer around the country, so or uh, the world. So we could create an entire roster of just Venegai. That would fill out our roster pretty easily if, if our only. Signing requirement was is your last name Venegas? All right, signed. Yeah, it's no one needs to think anymore. No late night burning oil um, yeah. sessions. It's just done. Which, by the way, I just want to say both Minnesota United and Atlanta United tweeted out their quote unquote war room where their coaches were hanging out and and, <laughs> and Minnesota United is like uh, you know an office building. They're sitting at a table and freaking bunch of papers all over the place. Some laptops, some, yeah, laptops right. up. Someone's playing Dalatuts. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, like, instead, Tata Martino and Carlos Bocanero apparently went to, like, Trump Tower and hung out in the friggin' world domination suite. It, I half expected Lex Luthor to walk out behind him and, like, 
start making picks. We're not supposed to talk about Bob Bradley until <laughs> we go to the pub, guys. <laughs> exactly. It, it's a, it's a scary like. I think bejeweled is the is the it's 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 what a room would be bejeweled if Donald Trump didn't exist and showed us what a real bejeweled like actually bejeweled room looked like. It's got like all sorts of wood paneling. Like, where do they have this in the Atlanta United offices? Don't they have other things to like spend their money on? Well, they're spending a lot of money on signings already, but I mean, yeah, we're I totally not jealous of that either, right? Although, no, not at all. I will say this about Atlanta's moves over the last week or so. They've certainly tried in every single move possible to get Garber Bucks, either general or um, targeted allocation money. Mm-hmm. I honestly do believe that a lot of that is because they realize they're going to need to buy down a lot of salary. They've already got... Um, a designated player officially signed. They've got a young designated player officially signed. Mm -hmm. Um, There's rumors that they're signing Brad Guzan, Mm -hmm. who's going to require a transfer fee, plus probably a DP salary. Um, And there's also now some rumors that they're signing yet another South American midfielder. Uh, Oscar Romero from uh, Racing in Argentina. Paraguayan National. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Paraguayan. So... all of that screams out to me that they're going to need to probably trade for another DP slot, or at the very least, they're going to be spending a large sum of money on buying down some salaries. Yeah, it's it's their strategy is, is I think very distinct from our own. Which so far, Minnesota United strategy seems to be to be acquiring young players with an eye for the future. I think the average age on our roster, Jeff Ruder tweeted this out, was like, I think 26.4 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 26.4. And we should, I think, get back to the Minnesota United picks that we were talking about a second ago. Chris Well was number one, as you mentioned, yep. traded to Montreal for uh, Garber Money and Venegas. Number two. Colin Warner from Houston. Uh, I suppose his name... Wrong. Mu- much weirder than you do. Wrong. But uh, a natural number six DM, um, good link up to uh, from back lines to forwards. Um, along with that, Mohamed Saeed from Columbus. Uh, there's a Reddit post on the Columbus Reddit where they were so pissed that we took them, yeah, which means so mad. Good pick, guys. Good <laughs> yeah. job, Minnesota. But yeah. he's a kind of box to box midfielder, kind of in the middle, can, kind of that Ibsen role, but better. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and. Um, so you can provide that link from the again from the defense to the forwards. Something that was missing last year in Minnesota play. He's also a Swede who was born to Eritrean parents, and we do have an Eritrean community here in the Twin Cities. So this, I think, if United is smart, they could use this to um, appeal to some of those segments of the population that so many of us have been trying to encourage the team to um, to get into the stands or would like to see the team bring into the stands. Yeah, and. Um, he's been tweeting, been or retweeting a bunch of tweets from his former teammates saying, "Gonna miss you. It's great playing next to you." So he seems like a good locker room guy too. Great guy. So yeah. happy to have him on board. Uh, with the fourth pick, we took, we took uh, goalkeeper and former Minnesota enemy Jeff Antonella, dude who helped us lose the 2012 NASL finals. But we won't hold it against him too much. No, no, of course not. Probably our starting keeper. Probably. Um. Questions if Samuel still gets signed. Samuel can be a second keeper and learn and 
To be continued. To be continued. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And hashtag SN33. Yeah. And with the fifth pick, um, they went with Femi Hollander Jansen from the New England Revolution. Kind of a, it felt kind of like a lottery ticket sort of pick. Um, a guy who really doesn't have that much of an MLS track record, but um, in the little bit that he actually has been able to reach the field, um, two goals and an assist in about 270 minutes of play. A lot of people from New England saying that he will actually be a a really solid choice. I think a lot of people were tweeting about how they were surprised that Watts wasn't drafted by anybody. But yeah, there's talks about how that was kind of a handshake deal from Minnesota as part of our next thing we're going to talk about with uh, Minnesota trading their third round super ultra mega draft pick from this year to Colorado for the other center back, uh, Joe Greenspan. First member of the Navy to play in MLS. He is uh, at Navy, the university, well, mm-hmm. Naval Academy. He played for them, moved on to Colorado, and now he's over here. I'm pretty excited to see. He's, again, young. He's huge. 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six, six, six. Six, six. Huge. Yeah, massive huge. dude. Huge. So, um, just to finish the previous thought, though, the, a lot of people saying that what's they expected him to be picked in the expansion draft. I think in the same way Femi was someone that nobody expected to see, but now people are coming in and saying he might be the real deal and, and he might be one to build for the future mm-hmm. with. Right. And if you look at the expansion draft, um, no one really knew what they were gonna what either team was gonna do except mm-hmm. for the teams. You can find that on my first ever fifty five one piece along with Wes and then Alex and Jeff also made picks. I think Alex had the most picks right but none of us were really that close two yeah so it's kind of especially with five picks it's kind of a shot in the dark and who they're going to take and we got to trust adrian and manny how they're building the team and i think they did very well here adrian did have a uh quote that i I don't have available in front of me and i don't want to really paraphrase it since essentially it was a reference to people who had been uh critiquing the way that his picks have gone and his message today i think was uh we this today went as well as it could have for us mm-hmm. uh yeah. and there will be even better to come and, and we've got a plan before we move on i should also mention that minnesota united had its groundbreaking for its stadium not much to say on the podcast about that fun time all around we got some photographs they were great i pulled a scarf over my face and called myself ultra it was awesome uh with that let us move on to the most ultra of ancient civilizations the ancient egyptians who had chariots they had hieroglyphics. They, they had grain silos built as pyramids. Exactly. And they had a Division II soccer, soccer league. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to our pyramid That's scheme. about as absurd as them having <laughs> grain silos built as pyramids. <laughs> let's move on to our pyramid scheme segment where we talk about the rest of the United States soccer pyramid other than MLS. And we should start with the newest edition of our uh, sub-segment, NASO Mageddon 2016. Can we please just get it over with? Thank you. Uh, this week, well, there was even more Cosmos news, but somehow even less, because uh, Seamus O'Brien came out and said, no, the Cosmos aren't going away. In fact, and I'm paraphrasing here, by the way, no, the Cosmos aren't going away. In fact, we have decided to take a break because the NASL, uh, it went down to seven teams, and we thought, well, the Cosmos, we cannot be in a league this tawdry. We are meant for greater things. So basically, he's Ross from Friends. Yeah. They're taking a break. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That I is that you know that's actually kind of a great like that might be the one characterization that makes him look sympathetic because it's like, dude, your landlord for your Long Island offices is like setting in a petition for you to pay fifty five thousand in rent that's unpaid, and you're going to the Guardian and telling them that you have no debts, that you're actually not to blame for your own problems, and in fact, it's the league that's at fault for your team going away and for your uh, fans getting disappointed. Come on, man. Take some personal responsibility. If you got to say that you got financial troubles, great. Just say it out loud and say that, that that it didn't work. Take some responsibility. This is like everything that everyone has said about the Cosmos and how stuck up they were, or at least in terms of the ownership. This is just... You're taking chili powder and rubbing it into the eyes of those people. Ow. Oh, that would ah. hurt a lot. Jeez. <laughs> Can you tell I'm angry at this dude? <laughs> Not <laughs> a little all. bit. I mean, Maybe. <laughs> doesn't come across that much at all. <laughs> um, Carolina New, North. Yeah, New Carolina. Is that what it says in the, in the notes in the script? New Carolina. I thought it was North Carolina FC. <laughs> Either way, the name sucks. But they have a New, new Carolina t- is the new state of soccer. <laughs> they have uh, new tits. It's basically a darker version of the U.S. blue gradient tits from a few years, a couple years ago. With Woo-hoo. gold-ish trim. Yeah. I liked Neil it's... Morris's tweet of the first pictures of it that had like a really dark background that also kind of seemed to be an overlay. And you really couldn't tell what color the kits were because of the rest of the actual picture. But yeah, they ended up being as disappointing as we expected with a name like North Carolina FC. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, San Francisco Delta signed their first three players one of which included Romald Pazer so now we know that he's not sticking around in Ottawa he's off to work with his former head coach Mark Dos Santos there were some rumors swirling around about how much the Deltas were going to spend on their initial roster Uh, Brian Helmick their CEO came out and said that they're not going to spend more than a million dollars total which that's probably a good move for a team that doesn't know where they're going to play next year at the same time, though, it's also f- roughly $40,000 per player per year if you're having a team of about 25 players, mm-hmm. which means that 25 people are going to have to live in the Bay Area with $40,000 a year. That's going to be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Well, with that blockbuster piece of mathematics on wages, we should take a break and when we come back, we'll have some talk about the U.S. Mutant Ninja Turtles, the U.S. Women's Ninja Turtles. The uh, we'll, we'll head over to England to the pub, and then we'll go over and talk about some places that don't call soccer, soccer. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. Bye to United fans. Guys, I wanted to take a minute to appreciate how Adrian Heath, Minnesota United's head coach, always looks like a nightclub singer. Like, at any one minute, especially when he's wearing a blazer, I can just watch the lights go down. He's magically got a mic in his hand, and he's just like, Strangers in the night. That that would make his press conferences a lot more interesting. Yeah, Adrian, what was it with that formation that you tried out today? It just totally did not work. I did it my way. <laughs> I will say this. I was actually watching um, 
have you guys ever seen the last waltz that last concert by the band no oh fantastic concert film uh martin scorsese directed it definitely look it up i think it's on netflix or one of the many streaming services anyway um there's this part where van morrison comes out to do caravan and i watched that and i was like oh my god van morrison in 1975, looks exactly like Adrian <laughs> Heath. No, 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 no. Well, I, and I don't know if I should flatter Adrian Heath with this, but this is also in like the totally like drunk, coked out Van Morrison days. Like, I'm gonna give Adrian Heath just a little bit more credit than that and say that you're seeing him in this movie was just a sign that his. Stopping by Minnesota United is the first step on a very successful movie career. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the sewer segment where we talk about our Ninja Turtles. And this week, the Ninja U.S. Ninja Turtles, both of them, had awards that they handed out. Players of the Year, Young Players of the Year, Men's Ninja Turtle Player of the Year was uh, Goldie Always Scores. Um, not my pick, as I mentioned last week, Bobby Wood. Uh but again, you know, club form, Josiel has been on fire with Toronto. Okay. All right. But, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Pulisic, Christian, wins the Young Player of the Year. He's the first American, by the way, to play a competitive game in the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium. No, no brainer here. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. No yeah. one else that was up <laughs> um, for it really had a chance. Freddie Adu, hello. <laughs> <laughs> don't you say that don't you say Freddie Adu in the same breath as Tristan Pulisic? <laughs> they will he will not end up like Freddie Adu. His eyes are on fire right now, listener. Like Caleb was ready to jump across this room and strangle me for doing that. Uh Women's Player of the Year is Tobin Heath, which on the notes in brackets, and I didn't do this, has question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. So that, here's, that was me. here's the thing. <laughs> um, Carly Lloyd is up for World Women's Player of the Year. Talked about this last week. Um, that's going to be awkward if and when Carly Lloyd wins. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, you know. Trailblazers and all that, Americans, Eagles, F-16s, exactly. Um, Ashley Sanchez won Women's National Team Young Player of the Year. She is, I believe, one of the first people to score in both the U.S. Use, or sorry, the U-17, U-20 World Cups for the U.S., um, according to uh, something that the, the official account for the women's team tweeted out. Anything else about the, the national teams you got to talk about, folks? Did Bruce Arena say shit again? I, I not that I heard. Okay, not cool. in front of a microphone. So yeah, if Bruce on. Arena said shit and there's no microphones to hear it, does it make a sound? Does it make a plop more like? Oh my god! <laughs> you you oh, had to go there, right? You, you really did. <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, just one quick addendum to that Ashley Sanchez bit. By the way, it was scoring the U17 and U20 World Cups in the same year. Okay. Important to note. Um, let's then, since there's nothing more to talk about the national team, let's move on to England, where we're taking a flight over to, well, this week we're not going to a pub. In fact, I can't hear you guys, because we're at a, um, what? We're, we're at a party, um, I, I, Jamie it, Vardy's house. Yeah, it's a pretty rowdy party at Jamie Vardy's. Yeah. Uh, where's guys, the beer? All I see is vodka and Red Bull. What's up with this? Oh my god, Let's okay. Let's find somewhere a little quieter. Alright, much better. 
Uh, Much appreciated. <laughs> Jamie Vardy scored three goals against um, Manchester City, or should I say Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, who is um, a fraud. Complete fraud. Man. Absolute fraud. Yeah. Give him a give him a real team which doesn't have everything handed to him on the silver plate, and what does he do? He completely fails. Fire him now. He makes yes, it so his pl- yeah. He makes it so his <laughs> players can't tackle. Um, Stan Collymore really went off on him in the BBC on this, uh, basically saying that if you're not going to teach your guys to tackle, you're going to be going back to Spain with your tail between your legs. And this is. In reference to Pep Guardiola saying, uh, I'm not coaching tackles. I'm not training for tackles. What's tackles? Uh, Not what you want to hear from your manager. No. 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 The Premier League is a very physical league. Um, Not as much as it used to be, but it still is. And you have to... You have to be coaching some some defensive stuff. I'm just hoping that Guardiola was kidding around and, and basically trying to, you know... Uh, be sarcastic after a pretty tough loss and the press kind of ran away with it. He's not a fraud. He's working hard. He hasn't been with the team long. If you're going to give Bob Bradley a chance, you're going to give Pep Guardiola a chance. Come on. Yeah, coaches in their first year don't ever do well. Speaking of, uh, Chelsea won again this week. Um, <laughs> uh, Antonio Conte is apparently God and can do no wrong with this 3-5-2 formation. Uh-huh. Uh... Speaking of God, who hangs out in space, which is really dark, David Moyes is back in his dark room that he goes to contemplate his life choices <laughs> after Sunderland loses because America's own Bob Bradley won the game. America 3, Sunderland 0. Take that. Honestly, it was some good coaching on Bradley's part. Um, after getting thrashed 5-0 against a team that we don't talk about on this podcast. Spurs. You don't talk about Spurs. 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 Yes. <laughs> Swansea lost to Spurs 5 oh So uh, he made five changes, including bringing Angel Rangel back in at right back, uh, Leon Britton into the midfield, and the sparkling form of Fernando Llorente as mm-hmm. basically the, the target for the attack, and it, it paid off really did i think sigurdsson is also on fire and he's had to go out there bradley has and say that sigurdsson isn't going anywhere and you're doing the clap <laughs> i'm sorry uh, uh that, that sigurdsson isn't going anywhere he's gonna stay at swansea because he's i mean he's key to their efforts and and there's also talk about what bradley's gonna do in january um in terms of the transfer yeah, window i'm excited don't sleep on the swansea team yet i think they can after Brad bradley makes his Transfers in January when they didn't push to mid table. The long season yet. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. It's kind of shocking to see how people were last week saying, "Oh, he's done. Bradley's done. He's 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 a trash garbage." Is this his seventh then, game or eighth game in charge? Something like that. It's yeah. But but more than that, in one game, one game later, everyone's like, "Oh, Bradley, true champion, specialist at success, Bob Bradley." Oh my God! No, it's just like. This yo-yoing of opinion kind of just bugs me sometimes. Uh, I think that's the vocal majority of a lot of soccer fans. They'll a bad game will happen and they'll say something like "Bender out," and then good game will happen and they say "Bender in." I never said "Bender out." Right. I never said Bob Bradley out. He's always been great. 
Yeah, Americans rule. Hey, speaking of Wenger, uh, <laughs> literally today, breaking news: uh, Arsenal lost to Everton. Yeah, two um, one off of a eighty sixth minute header by Ashley Williams. Um, that said, somehow in the last minute of extra time at the end of the match, um, Arsenal had like seven chances to score and failed miserably in each of them. Um, the worst of all was Alex Awobi having a, a point-blank clear shot on goal, and he shot it dead straight into the guy marking the far post. Well, at least you can console yourself with the fact that Spurs lost over the weekend. Yay! Yeah. Manchester United defeated uh, Spurs. Jose Mourinho's back, boys. Our segment uh, is now Let's Laugh with Jose. I'm going to just because it was Tottenham that they beat. Okay. That, that makes right. sense. I'll, I'll allow it. Hey, any other games happen in the Premier League this weekend? Nope, none. We no. Nope. Are you sure about that, Caleb? Are you sure? So so everybody, sure. everybody was writing all West Ham United, and instead they came back and tied Liverpool 3-3. Andy Carroll going off with a bloody face. Was- I'm, I'm okay with that part of the game, but um, yeah, just some, I think I've, I wrote down apoplectic goalkeeping from both sides, really, but there's really no excuse from Loris Tarius, especially after he kind of talked back to Gary Neville. You know, I'm going to, what do you say? I messed up. I don't care what Gary Neville says. You Dude, don't engage to you pundits. up and play the goddamn game. Essentially what Jamie Carragher said to him. Yeah. I agree with Jamie Carragher. Which, even though he's a Liverpool legend, I don't doesn't really happen often. He's kind of a dick sometimes, but still love him. <laughs> as, I mean, and as soon as Carragher said something to Carrius, Jurgen Klopp, manager of Liverpool, came in and, and criticized Gary Neville again, which is kind of shocking to me. Klopp has this image of like kind of this happy-go-lucky guy. Some Germans saying, yeah, that's actually the, this, this kind of... Dude who insults the press sometimes, that's the club we know. But we haven't seen that side of him in the Premier League as much. Yeah, and so I, I think when people attack his players, especially if it's players that he brought in, mm-hmm. he's going to defend them. But I, if anyone attacks a Liverpool player in the press, Klopp is going to defend them, which is more than Jose will do, is my defense yeah. for that. And I mean, it, honestly, it, it was fairly effective. The story now is... Klopp versus the press as opposed to how bad Karius was. So so bad. It it almost makes me feel like Kellyanne Conway was hired by <laughs> Liverpool to be their new media strategist. Oh, or I, would, uh, I would still cheer for them. Oh god. See this is this is why Trump got elected. Uh Cardiff's soul bamba was sent off and he well, first he reacted badly to a challenge by Jonathan Douglas from Ipswich, and then he started shouting at his own players. He shouted at the bench, he shoved his own manager, he fought with the referee and the fourth official. I'm pretty sure at that point someone came over and gave him a prize for pissing off every single influential person on the entire stadium. So, uh, which turned out the prize was a red card and he was set off. So, maybe a suspension and some other things coming along for him. Just possibly. Exactly. Hey, let's move on to our second to last segment called They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though. Uh, about places in this world other than England and America that, that play the beautiful game. Boca versus River Plate had their derby over the um, 
over the weekend and Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez scored a goal that was... You know, when I was growing up, I was watching those Carlos Tevez highlights. This is like, I've seen this him score this goal several times. He gets the ball right outside the box and he kind of hits this shot that that isn't like a cannonball. It kind of goes like a slight curve and hits the top right-hand side corner. Anyway, Boca, through his efforts, won the game 4-2. to two. So, congratulations, Boca Juniors. Hooray for them. Um, unfortunately, um, we do have some sad news to talk about. Yeah. Um, there was a terror attack in Istanbul shortly after um, the Besiktas versus Bursa Spor match um, where a uh, car bomb was detonated outside of the away fan exit. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, it was well after fans had already filed out of the stadium, um, but uh, 46 uh, people were killed in that with I think about 36 of them being um, some of the police that were um, on duty there. Both teams report that their supporters were affected by this incident. I was in Istanbul this past fall, and I have to say it's, without getting into the politics of it too much, it's a very charged atmosphere there, and this is not going to help. We have a Minnesota United fan who lives there who listens to our podcast, Justin, and I am thinking about him. I'm thinking about a lot of other people I know in that city, and it's it's never good to see one of our, our games affected by something like this. But uh, let's move on to the Ballon d'Or, the, the premier award in soccer today. And what I want to ask is, is this, does this award even make any sense anymore? It's Messi, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo. Do we care? No. I think it matters <laughs> who the third in voting is except that the problem is i think it's like journalists get to prioritize just a few people so they they have to make a choice for third between three or four people so you get a situation where jamie vardy is ranked better than robert Lewandowski, which is insane although robert Lewandowski's tweet afterwards which was three of the crying and laughter emojis Uh uh-huh that was fire yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it well-deserved. I mean, I will just say that there needs to be some rethinking of this. I mean, not, not to take anything away from Ronaldo and Messi, but after a while, if you're just giving the award to the same people over and over again, it gets kind of tiresome. Um, right. And kind of like I'm, Spanish football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of an allegory. That was a pancake was Zing. First was Ronaldo in voting Real Madrid. Second, Lionel Messi, Barcelona. Third this year was Antoine Griezmann from El Adito. So really, Spanish football in a nutshell right there is the first two flip-flop and uh, El Adito kind of stays third usually. The only journalist awarded Jimmy Wardy number one for the Ballon d'Or pick lives in Vanuatu. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the Champions League round of 16 draw was made. A few influential matches that I will quickly read to you because we're going to have a, a talk about the draw segment later. Paris Saint-Germain will play Barcelona. Benfica will play Dortmund. Real Madrid play Napoli, which should that has the potential for an upset, mm-hmm. I think. And then we've got uh, Bayern Munich versus Arsenal, <sighs> which we'll talk about in a little bit. Leverkusen versus Atletico. Man City versus Monaco. The Atletico Bayern, another day, in a, another matchup to lead to, to an upset with Atletico not really being in great form. Right now, mm-hmm. that would be. I would. I would. I would love 100% that. support that. Um, 
Porto versus Juventus, and then Sevilla play Leicester, which is, I think, one of those matches that might just be interesting to see what, what happens. Dude, Leicester's going to win the Champions League this year. You know it. And it relegated. <laughs> it's just going to be, be just crazy. <laughs> They're going to be the Leicester of the Champions League. <laughs> 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 uh, speaking of things that make you say, what the hell is going on? Um, Benfica completed their warm-ups for their match of the weekend. Um, with a what I can only describe as the sponsor tweet of being on the field Um, rather than just walking into the tunnel they had their players walk through the ticket counter at an Emirates airline facility like complete with stewardesses complete with stewardesses in their stewardess outfits I am amazed that they didn't have bags that they needed to check you know, a, a boarding card that went like, sorry, sir, can you scan that again? Sir, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to change your seat. And then someone, one of the players gets stopped. Sir, you're in an exit uh, substitution row. Uh, would you please take a second to read the manual? Uh, and then, you know, you sit in the, pl- the the dressing room for about a couple of hours. And then they tell you there are mechanical problems in the stadium. And uh, then you, you actually have to go to work. Right. I will say this. I've never sat in an exit row. I've been offered it. And I've said, you know what? I'm an anxious flyer. I would like to have a cocktail on the flight. I will politely decline. As a tall person, there is uh, no way I ever say no to to an exit row. Uh, but then again, I have never left a stadium to a airline check-in booth. So, um, hey, with that, we should move on to our final segment, our weekly Reynolds wrap-up. With Colin, where we take conspiracy theories that you have seen in the world around you of soccer. And we ask Colin to make sense of them for us. So this week's Reynolds wrap-up is very close to my heart. uh, Because it addresses Arsenal getting scheduled against Bayern Munich yet again in the Champions League. So um, let me give a roundup of their round of 16 opponents. Um, In 2011, they faced Barcelona. In 2012, AC Milan. 2013, Bayern Munich. 2014, Bayern Munich. 2015, Monaco at their peak. 2016, Barcelona. 2017, Bayern Munich. (laughs) So, first off, if you ever have a question as to why Arsenal keep getting knocked out in the round of 16, look no further than the fact that in like the last seven years, they faced someone that isn't Bayern or Barcelona only twice. (laughs) But I think more importantly, though, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that Arsenal keep on getting such a terrible draw? And I think that you need to look no further than the frozen ball theory. So if you are familiar with some... I'm pretty sure, by the way, I was thinking about the frozen ball theory when I got in my car this morning. Negative six in the morning. Come or on. when you're at the groundbreaking ceremony. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you are familiar with the NBA, um, there is a theory that the New York Knicks's um, letter in the, gosh, what year was that? I think 85 or 86. Um the draft that led to them picking Patrick Ewing um, was actually super cooled before it actually went into into the um, 
into the basket. The bingo machine? Exactly. So basically, they were able to feel around for the the letter that was really ridiculously cold, and they knew that one was going to be the New York letter that would get them to pick first. Ah. So... So who's who's freezing the balls at uh, cha- the Champions League draw? Is it Arsenal or is it Bayern Munich? Well, it's or is it UEFA? Uh, is it FIFA? Is it Sepp Blatter? It's very Vladimir obvious. Putin? It's, it's some v- nameless intern who gets cold cocked right after he does it. Are, are you <laughs> sure that it's not Gianni Infantino? Are no. we sure that it's not Donald Trump? Um, He's not smart. I mean, Baron Trump does the cyber. Okay, I'm just saying does the cyber so uh this could be i think i was doing the cyber at baron trump's age you know in fact this might be the plot of the new assassin's creed movie is the champions league draw michael fassbender is the one that's responsible for all of this. i would actually watch that if it was that not the actual assassin's creed at this point now i'm expecting to go to the rogue one uh premiere and the 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 plot of Rogue One is essentially them stealing the plans of the Champions League draw <laughs> to make sure that Byron gets pulled. <laughs> I mean, I will say this though: I did see one of those Darth Kermit memes mm-hmm. where UEFA said, "Hey, Arsenal got first in their group. Let's let's give them a draw that is actually relatively fair." And then the evil UEFA was like, "Let's give them Byron." <laughs> Uh, one last thing about Arsenal I will tell you that endeared me very much to your team is that one of my favorite current uh, singers, Jess Glein, who's much more popular in England, and I'm not just saying this as a hipster, she literally is like breaking uh, the charts in England but not doing anything in the United States in, on the charts here. Uh, Jess Glein is an Arsenal fan, and there was a lovely little video of her visiting the Arsenal, kind of getting a behind-the-scenes tour. Uh, in her team, she supported with her dad as a kid. And it was just adorable. I have also got a massive crush on Jess Glein at the moment. But uh, Jess Glein, if you're inter- if you're listening to this, <laughs> committed uh, to St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, we should wrap up this episode of We Call It Soccer. Uh, where can the good listeners find you guys on Twitter? I'm at kolson716, and I'm also writing stuff for 551 now. I am at the attachment, and I am writing stuff on my Twitter account. You actually threads. do have some pretty great hot takes. I do enjoy following your Twitter, uh, Colin. My Twitter, which is far less interesting these days, is at TWO United Fans. I am uh, taking a vacation this week, and so my Twitter is going to be kind of quiet because I feel like I should take a, a little bit of a break from incessant tweeting too. But what I would like you as our listeners to do is to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, we love getting new listeners. As Caleb mentioned last week, please also rate us on iTunes. It helps us show up when people search for soccer podcasts. So, so go ahead and do that. And with that, I bid you adieu. I bid you a good night and have a great one, everybody. Goodbye. See ya.